podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello and welcome to the 5 Year 10 podcast. Hey. Hey. <laughs> well, yeah, well, there's two games in, in, two games in a week this week, Kevin. Uh, one good, one bad. So we're reviewing both of those. It is pod 382, uh, which is creeping towards the big 400. And as of yet, I have planned nothing for it. But I'm sure we will do something special when we hit uh, that landmark. Um, joining me, obviously, Kevin Day. Hello to you. It's it's very sweet that you say you haven't planned for Pod 400 because you haven't really planned for Pod 382. <laughs> How dare you? I've, I've, had, I've had a, a, a document here with, with, that begs to differ with lots of questions and notes. A document. And it's a big document. Yeah, yeah. A big do- You're <laughs> in a sounds new really room weird now as well, aren't you? I am. I'm in the cabin. I'm in uh, yes, the cabin <laughs> that the patron money has funded. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, that's not true. That's not true. Um, but yeah, so it's probably one bit echoey today, but I'm, I'm working on the sound. I, we need Enders this week, really, to sound engineer for me, but unfortunately he's not here. Uh, but someone who is here is Jack Pierce. Hello, Jack. How are you doing? Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah, not bad. Ready to talk about the highs and the lows, as is the typical for a Crystal Palace fan. So, yeah, ready to get, ready to get chatting. Good. Glad you got Typical Palace in there early doors as well. Uh, and uh, joining us... Uh, making his second appearance on the pod. Uh, it's one of our legendary patrons as part of his top-tier reward. It's the one and only Duncan Annis. Duncan, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, JD, and thanks for the, thanks for the welcome. Glad to be ah, here. Top man, and thank you for your support uh, via Patreon. Um, and this is the part where we do a shout-out to a random patron. It might be Duncan. It might be someone else. Shall we do a, a drum roll and find out? It's Mr. Sean Webb. Oh, hi, Sean. Hello, Sean. Hi, Sean. Uh, Sean is one of our patrons, as is Duncan, and you can uh, join our patron and get all the rewards that they both get, including the post-match podcast, uh, which we'll drop a little preview of in later. Patron-only merchandise, which I've literally sent out this week. Uh, took me ages to bag them, and the lady at the post office was not impressed. And access to the patron-only WhatsApp club. Uh, which is popping off at the moment at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash F-I-P podcast. JD, you surprised me there. Are you saying that when you got to the post office, you weren't prepared? (laughs) I I actually was, if anything, too prepared. Uh, But I think when you turn up with a massive box uh, full of uh, random items, uh, I think because you're going to hold up the queue, they honestly, if anything, I was doing, you know, her job for her because I was literally sticking the, the stamps on for her. That's what they make you do these days. Um, at the front of the queue. Yeah, yeah. You were sticking the stamps on mm-hmm. then. Yeah, right. but she, I mean, I thought they were going to do it for me, but then she gave me 
40 stamps and said and i was like well i thought it, isn't it technically your job to do that but it turns out if you say that they also that actually doesn't go down well either so um <laughs> well, you, you probably, can tell it's the end of, end of the season can't you yeah, I won't be. They can't that wait for you to visit again. They, <laughs> they they, your no. face is going to be. Yeah, your face is going to be in the staff room, mate. You're in trouble. You're not going. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be no no mail in Buckinghamshire for the next two weeks. Yeah, no. She's probably one of those postmistresses that's been in prison unnecessarily for. <laughs> it's her first day out on release. She looked dodgy. She did look she dodgy. Actually, say. she wants yeah. to celebrate, and all she's got is you at the front of the queue. <laughs> Not knowing what the address is or why. I was very. Is. The chat was good though. I was very friendly, and I told her all about the cabin. All so it's, honestly, I, I can't believe she didn't enjoy that. I, th- I, was, I think I probably made her day. Anyway, uh, yes, please join our patron, uh, and uh, you can get all the rewards. Uh, all, um, do you know what? Including twenty percent off our new line of FYP merchandise, which is available at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash FYP hyphen podcast. Uh, all patrons get twenty percent off, so that is an incentive uh, for joining. And speaking of money, Kevin, and yes. I'm going into the advert by the way here, just so you know. Oh, right, okay. um, right. Palace might, or they might not, be spending a lot of money this summer, but you needn't if you want to buy your first home. Mm. This is a good one. I'm proud of this one. A new government scheme for first-time buyers means you only need a 5% deposit to get the mortgage you need. And Eternity Home Finance are the people to help you get on the property ladder. They're Croydon-based, palace-supporting, family-run mortgage and protection advisors. For a free consultation on this and anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Uh, So, yes, well worth doing while that new scheme is happening. Apparently, I'm not. I don't know about. I was told to say that, but apparently that is is a good scheme. And uh, yeah, the guys at Eternity Home Finance will help you out. Um, oh, and another bit of admin. Are you guys enjoying this? There's a lot of admin at the top of the pod today, isn't there? I yeah, apologise yeah. for that. Um, one of another one of our patrons, Martin Pierce, who has been it. on the podcast uh, before. Very nice guy. Lives in Australia. He's currently cycling seventeen thousand kilometres. To raise money for the Palace for Life Foundation. You got any idea why he's chosen that particular milestone, Kevin? Uh, can't afford the plane fare. I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I don't know. It's very. It's very good of him, and obviously offering my wholehearted support. But it is depends where, just, depending on where he lives. That could be a trip to the local shop out there. So that's uh, true. Yeah. Fair <laughs> point. Is that back to sell It is indeed. It is. It is the distance from his address in Australia to Selhurst wow. Park. In fact, he lives in a town. Him and uh, his girlfriend, Megan, and they uh, came on the podcast a couple of years ago. He lives in a town called Yass. Y-A-S-S. <laughs> genuinely the name. Which I think is the best named town anywhere in the world. Population? Has it got a plastic population there? <laughs> <laughs> um, and apparently the distance is 17,000 miles from Yass to Sellers Park. Uh, and he's doing 349 kilometres a week, which is mad. So well Brilliant. done to Martin. Yeah, uh, well done, Martin. I've checked on his um, Just Giving page. He's just under 5K at the moment. So he's well underway. If you would like to sponsor him and help him towards his uh, raising money for the Palace for Life Foundation, go to justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash Martin hyphen Pierce hyphen Yass hyphen Selhurst, which is a great <laughs> URL indeed. Um, I think it's time for us to uh, crack Thanks, on Martin. with the actual podcast. I've got to go now, JD. See you, mate. Cheers for that. that was, uh... <laughs> uh, uh, right, let's actually talk about... Well, Kevin, two games actually this week. Obviously, we had... Which is why we're doing it on a Wednesday night this week. We had the Sheffield United game at the weekend. 2-0 victory. And then Saints on Tuesday night. 3-1 defeat. Uh 
Are those, are those two games our season in a nutshell for you? Great in spells at Sheffield United, good in bits at Saints, yeah. but sort of ultimately undone by uh, defensive issues, which is something that's played us a lot. What, what, did, what did I say to you? I said, JD, do the pod on Sunday. Don't wait for Wednesday to win <laughs> both games. I said, do it on Sunday so we can talk about... It was, I, I, I expected more of the Southampton game, I have to say, especially after we scored so early. Um, I thought we seemed a little bit confused. We were so much in control against Sheffield United, which was lovely to see. I thought we looked a little bit confused at setting out in a positive fashion last night. I thought the players didn't quite know what to do with that information. And then you you have to say all three goals were, were errors by centre-backs, basically. The, the, the whole back four wasn't brilliant last night. We looked good in spells going forward, but... All all three goals were avoidable. It was the first goal was, but I mean, both centre backs were at fault for the first goal, and so was Wardy for the, you know because he was unmarked and to get the cross in. The second goal, I think Kiati just didn't realise he just thought the ball was going out. Third goal, similar situation. Both centre backs didn't really respond quickly enough. So it was it was kind of disappointing, but in a not caring sort of way. <laughs> it, it's, it's it, well. I was. It, I did care really because I did. I genuinely thought. I thought he'd make a couple of changes for last night's game. I thought. Yeah, I thought Benteke was really good, but I thought he might start with Mateta or might start with Batshuayi. Might start with something slightly different. Maybe even the uh, uh, Raksaki. Who knows? But it, it just seems again. And again, there was there was a ten minute spell in the Sheffield United game when we we scored so early. We didn't seem to know whether to stick or twist, and it almost the same last night really and I think Palace and Southampton are a very similar level um, Ward-Prowse is still a rat. I mean why he didn't get a yellow card for that sweeping yeah. what everyone said was a fair tackle it was a fair tackle with his right foot but he, he sived him with his left foot Wilf did brilliantly for the penalty but then was just sort of kind of in and out Eze I thought was brilliant against uh, Sheffield United but not quite as so last night but again I, I kind of suspect if we needed to get a point out of last night's game to stay up we probably would have done but it was two teams that felt like their season had finished and it was just it was never going to be the five all draw that Sky were hoping for really I felt sorry for Ethan Okoku because he's obviously he's having his first season for Sky and he keeps getting lumbered with Palace for some reason <laughs> it's like they obviously not they're trying to trying to build him in gently but yeah it was fine I, I mean I would have been furious if if it had meant something last night but I'd, I think I speak for most Palace fans who just kind of want to get the season I'm going on Monday night for the under 23 game I'm really looking forward to that but I just kind of want to get the season over and done with and then see what happens in the summer yeah I, I mean I, I sort of feel the same to be honest um and we'll talk about Roy as well later on we had a question about Roy obviously but we, probably is Roy's final few games so I, I'm trying to sort of enjoy the games for what they are and actually we have seen Palace be a bit more uh, attacking as you said and it has been quite enjoyable actually and yeah we lost the Saints game essentially I feel like we were sort of fairly similar in both games going for it certainly the subs in the second game but we came up against a really poor team in the first game and a slightly better team in the second game yeah. but what about you Jack are you enjoying this more sort of slightly attacking approach from from Roy? We, we look better with three in the middle and Eze having a bit of a freer ass. I was disappointed with last night's result. And I totally agree with Kevin. And there's you know, obviously not that much to play for. But, you know, it would be nicer if we'd had two wins on the bounce at this stage of the season yeah. and solidify our position. But greater points tally at the end of the season. As, you know, halfway through the season, I was really hoping we would get close to 50 points. And I don't think we're going to get anywhere near it. Well, I think we're on 41 now. 
might get to 45 with a with a win and a, and a draw in our last three, but it's yeah, we've kind of stumbled over 40 points a bit, and, and last night was a, an opportunity to you know push on that that bit further. Um, Sheffield United, dreadful. I mean, they 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 really. Start, I haven't seen 90 minutes of them very often this season, but they really have you know lost any sense of of the team that they were last season. So you know that was a, a three points in the bag, and obviously the early goal helped us. Um, would have been nice to be a bit more clinical and, and maybe bag a few more there um, but you know never going to sniff at a 2-0 win away from home but last night I just felt particularly with the early start we let Southampton get back in the game we then uh, have a wonderful opportunity to, to take the lead into the into the half-time break and, and Lucas' penalty was was as predictable as the Sky graphic before he took it was <laughs> um, Fraser Forster didn't have to do much homework to know where that was going yeah. and then in the second half the two goals I, I agree with Kevin again just really crap goals just you know the, the short corner routine or the, the clever corner routine, if you want to consider it, it wasn't a particularly good delivery across the box. Um, and our defenders just looked like, you know, stuck in the mud, really, and, and didn't really do anything to, to to prevent Adams getting on the end of it. And then the second goal, I know we're chasing the game a bit more. But um, again, really simple goal. When you've got someone as prolific as Ings in that position, you really do need to do all you can to stop him getting into that position in the first place. That said, you know, Benteke had a really good chance to make it 2-2. Um, one one thing that did annoy me more than more than the actual penalty miss last night was Lucas kind of pulling rank for the free kick on the edge of the area, um, which I which I did think was particularly after missing the penalty he probably should let Eze have that. I think Eze's more recently proven that he can you know hit the target from that range than so Luca hasn't, mm. and he did pull rank and I didn't really like that that side of it. But you know as as we discussed previously, this season is kind of milling towards the end of it now and. Um, there's there's lots to discuss about what happens from from next season. I mean, the, the fact that we've got three games now, which don't really matter in terms of how the club proceeds, is relatively good news for Palace, but um, does make them a quite a dif- difficult watch from from here on in. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least, I mean, the pressure is off. Thankfully, I mean, you know, were we struggling for survival and. The- with these three games coming up, I think we'd all be uh, we'd all be a bit more anxious than we are. I've got a question from Jacqueline and Hart. Hi, Jacqueline. Um, about Hello, Lucas Penalty that you just mentioned there, Jack. She says, "My seven-year-old called Lucas Penalty Donkey Doodoo," <laughs> which I think should be the title for this week's podcast. <laughs> to be totally honest, um, is that description going to apply for the rest of the season? Duncan, what do you think? Are you, how are you approaching these final few games? And what did you learn from the last two in terms of how you're going to uh, yeah, approach the final few games as a fan? Um, I think the, the, the one that everyone's really looking forward to probably is the, the, the Arsenal game, isn't it? With, um, with, with the fans being back at Selhurst. Um, I'm, I'm personally really looking forward to that one. And I, I think one thing that would be good is if um, the club could clarify... If, if, as he's looking increasingly likely, Roy is going to leave at the end of the season, I think it'd be good if they could clarify that before that game. Because I think mm. for what he's done over the last four years, regardless of how you feel about the the, the, the sort of defensive football or, or Roy Ball or whatever, um, he, he deserves a good send off um, if, if that is indeed his last home game. So, so it'd be good if, if the club could clarify that. I think, um, you know, the last couple of games, I've. I, one of the things that's been flying around the, the, the Patreon WhatsApp group is, is, is why why has, has Roy not played the, the, the sort of 4-3-3, 4-1-4-1 formation that he's played the last couple of games? Why is it taking so long to, to bring that, that formation out? And I think, you know, 
I agree with what the guys have both said. Sheffield United, pretty poor side, and 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 we 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 should have won that one by a lot more. Really, it was sort of a bit of wayward finishing, and and, and Ramsdale being on excellent form of goal. Um, but Southampton as well. I think I don't think there's there's a there's been a bit of negative um, feedback on performance last night. I didn't think it was actually that bad, and I think that literally the the difference between the sides was was absolutely clinical finishing from, yeah. from Danny Ings, two goals. Um, and you know, I, look, I, I saw a stat that, that this morning that there's only Harry Kane, Mo Salah, and Jamie Vardy who've scored more goals than, than Danny Ings in the in since the start of last season, got 34 goals in the last uh, two seasons. So, you know, they, they were absolutely clinical. You could say Dan was a little, could have been a little bit quicker on the first goal, but it, both finishes were, were, were world class. And, and for me, that was that was the difference between the sides. We had a couple of other chances, obviously the penalty from Luca, a couple of other chances, you know, and another, another day could have gone in. Ezzy did a, a few nice little dinks. For the, I think there was one for redevowed that he didn't quite get on the end of end of that would have been an excellent um goal if it had come off. So I, I wasn't overly disappointed and I'm not I th- I think like everybody, yeah, it's been with the whole situation that's gone the last 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 year or so, everyone is just exhausted, aren't they? Players, fans, everybody. Um but I'm not um I, I'm still looking forward to the next three and especially as I said the the live game. So um, Kevin, speaking of uh, Danny Ings, um, mm. which, was a, which was a very fair point that Duncan's made there. Obviously, Ben Teke is back amongst the goals. Two for him in the last two. Uh, we had a question from AJ Wright and Bright. He says, now... Hey, AJ. Hey, AJ. We can all agree that Ben Teke is back to his best. What do you genuinely think is the reason for this? Is it obviously not the manager or the tactic? Oh, it's obviously not the manager or the tactics, as people claimed when he was crap, neither has changed. Is it just life, the Brighton goal, playing for a contract? What, what do you think? And also, I'll add on to that. Would you, would you give him a deal then off the back of this form? Um, I think it was 100% inevitable that Danny Ings would make his comeback last night and, and score two goals. It, it's funny... I, I would give Benteke a deal, but it's still if you compare Benteke playing well to Ings playing well, you'd still rather have Danny Ings in your team than Benteke. But I think uh, he he seems physically stronger. He seems to have recovered his physical strength, Benteke, or his, his willingness to use that strength. I mean, that goal was almost a self-made goal last night, and I don't think we'd have seen him do that in, in months gone by when he probably wasn't wasn't fit. It's also interesting as well, it's not tactical. The amount of balls that he won sort of 30 yards out from goal with the, and there was no one there to, to take them. You know, the amount of opportunities that, say, Balassi or Wilf at their best five seasons ago would have been latching on to some of the headers that he won when he was surrounded by two, three defenders. So there, didn't, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason as to how he's playing. He's just... It would be terrible to think he's just doing it for a new contract, to be perfectly honest, because that would kind of be reflect a cynicism that you don't like to think players have. And I don't think he's of that nature, to be honest. From what we know about him, I don't think he's like that. He's spoken publicly about repaying Palace fans for their patience when he wasn't playing well and when he wasn't fit. I, I, I would give him a con. I, I really would. But again, it, I think it depends, as we've spoken before, it depends who the new manager is. Yeah. And I don't know whether the players know that already. I, I suspect if it's Sean Dyche, he will get a new contract and anybody else he won't. But I would happily give him a new contract. And also, if you're going to do that, I would, 
I, I would change the way we play so he gets more of the ball. If you, the way Southampton tried to get the ball wide and then tried to get the ball into Danny Ings as often as possible. And, and you, Danny Ings was brilliant with his back to goal. He was really good with his back to goal last night. And, and you know, Benteke, could, even at his age, could learn from it. But whatever the reason, I think Benteke has been great the last four or five games. Really, really good. I'm really pleased that he's scoring. And if he ends up getting two more goals and then both he and Wilf have got 10 goals this season, for, for us, that's not that's not bad. I mean, two mm-hmm. two strikers scoring ten goals is not bad. But yeah, yeah, I, I I would like to see him stay. I still think he's. I still think in a, in a good season with a good team, with good crosses, he's a fifteen twenty goal a season striker. Well, and he's not. He's not far off, as you say. No. He's actually on nine for the season, so he's one away from, no, yeah. from double figures. Um, and as you say, having two strikers on double figures would be would be fantastic for a Gross, team like yeah. Palace. I mean, Jack actually does it. Does it not really matter why he's what, whatever the incentive is at the moment? I guess really the fact is he is scoring these goals, and as Selzy sort of says on the post-match pod, if you do let him go, it's going to cost a lot of money to replace someone who can score ten goals in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, if he if he is playing for a new contract, he's earning a new contract yeah, with the way yeah. he's playing. So um, I have no issue if that is his intention. Obviously, ethically, I'd, I'd rather he was bleeding for the badge, but. You know, he is scoring goals and it's what's interesting is when he scored that on uh, the first one against Sheffield United on, on Saturday, I did think in a poorer vein of form when he was absolutely desperate for a goal, that wouldn't have gone in. That block yeah. from George yeah. Bulldog would have yeah. spun out somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Because um, it wasn't a great finish, but he's at, he's you know, he's there, the, the luck's on his side. But his finish last night was excellent. You know, it's a really well taken goal. Um, and his confidence must be booming. You know, he's he's playing so well um, away from the goal as well at the moment. You can see the confidence building through him. Um, but, yeah, the point stands. If, if we were to lose him, to replace him, you are looking at, you know, tens of millions of pounds in, in transfer outlay. Um, he's clearly settled in the area. Salary's an issue between him and the club. I'm sure there'll, there, there are discussions ongoing. Um, but as, as Kevin said, it, it probably does depend on on the manager, given the, the outlay and wages that his uh, extension of contract would uh, would require you would think it would need the consent of the new manager to to approve it to ensure that he doesn't think that the money could be spent uh, better elsewhere but he's playing really really well at the moment and when he's on form he he really is one of the better strikers of his type in in the Premier League and I you know I, I take on the comment about Ings Ings was really good last night and I, I sense that they were there's an agreement between Ings and the Southampton coaching uh, team that they're they're working in towards the Euros to make sure that he's fit enough to to perhaps get into the England squad for for this summer's tournament. Um, but equally, Benteke playing as well as he is doing may yeah. well be earning a place in the Belgian yeah, squad yeah. as well. So um, no, all credit to to Christian. He's he's playing really really well at the moment, and uh, I all you know all, all hope that he continues at the end of the season. And and I personally hope that he does remain a Palace player because I really don't know how we could improve that role within the squad um, without significantly denting the the sums of money that we need to spend in other parts of the squad. So he's, I, I think he's guaranteed the place in the Belgium squad, whatever happens. So if he is playing for a new contract at Palace, then fair enough, because that means he wants to stay at Palace for whatever reason. I, I also think it does slightly depend on 
his wages. It also depends on what the plan is for Mateta, because, you know, there are a couple yeah. of people, a couple of journalists around the club who are suggesting that Mateta was was always going to be a fringe player this season because the plan was that he would learn his trade in the Premier League and he would be the new Benteke next season. So it may be that that's the plan anyway and that it's more important to get Benteke's wages off the off the bill than, than anything else. But... I'd, I, I, I would, I would rather keep him. But then you kind of think Mateta's going to be disappointed as well, then, because we're not. I don't. We're not at the level of club yet who can afford to have two players on those sort of wages competing for the one for the one place. So, so I think it's one of those. Again, as I say, it will come down to the new manager. But I would, I would, I'd rather see Benteke stay. But I'd also like to see Mateta given a chance. Well, or. or... You know, do you actually in the Premier League? You do maybe you need two players yeah. of that quality fighting yeah. for one position. And, yeah. and obviously, we're not we're not the ones to say because we're not at the training ground. But you know, you just could say, just before you bring Duncan in though, JD, about Benteke, what Mateta will be learning from Benteke is how fit you need to be to yeah. play that role yeah. up top by yourself. Yeah. Because Benteke looks on fire in terms of his fitness, fitness yeah, a absolutely. real handful for defenders. Mateta came on for twenty minutes last night, and he was blowing by yeah. by the time injury time came around. You could tell that he's still building himself to be that that kind of 90-minute man in the Premier League, because he's, he's certainly not that at the moment. Um, but I think there's probably room for both of them in the squad. Um, obviously, it would be pleasing if we did see a bit more of Mateta between now and the end of the season, um, knowing that we have him definitely for next season, while, while Benteke, um, we don't know. But if, if we can agree terms with Benteke for another two seasons, I think we'll be all the better for it. I, I agree, yeah, and I was going to see what Duncan says as well, but I, I was just thinking, wondering if the presence of Mateta in the squad... It, is with a bit of competition up there, well, yeah. um, regardless of whether he was going to be played anyway or not, is is forcing Benteke to be better. And and your your point, Kevin, about the manager is, is absolutely valid. But Duncan, no, I would think surely any manager that comes in would want to keep a player that's going to end the season in such a rain, rich vein of form, regardless of whether you're a Sean Dyche or an Eddie Howe or Steve Cooper or yeah. Frank Lampard yeah. or any of them. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, he, I think Selzy had the stat on on post match pod the other week that um, when you look at the, uh, the amount of minutes that Benteke's played he is actually scoring at the moment a, a 15 goal a yeah. season striker and if you look at it from that angle and say well what, if you did let him go where are you going to replace that um, mm. and the, you know the amount of money that we would have to, to spend out of the transfer kitty for next season bear in mind we've got um, 11 or 12 other players to replace it's just I think it would be madness to let him go at this point and I I, I do tend to agree with the points that, that Jack and, and JD have, have made that I think kind of in the modern game you do need the, the, the two players in that position up front competing with each other I, I, I take your point Kevin about wages I'm, I'm not really sure on where we stand financially on that but I, I think really in the Premier League you've got to have two players of that standard competing for that, that striker spot can Mateta replace him? I, I don't know. We don't really know yet, do we? we? We haven't seen enough of him this season to, to know one way or another. But clearly, Roy doesn't quite trust him yet from, from whatever he's seen in the, on the training ground and hasn't really given him that chance yet. So, time will tell, I guess. Um, and, and maybe it is that we, we are building him up with that longer-term view for next season and phase him in with Benteke next season. But, yeah, on the Benteke front, I definitely would uh, keep him... Yeah, I mean that 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 two player position thing. We we need that we need that across the park really. And as you say, there's a lot of other holes in the squad where we need two, if not one player, 
Oh, the wrong way around. Um, multiple players in positions anyway, so there is definitely yeah, but, surgery but, but needed. Jed, there, there are barely any teams outside the, the top six, the greedy six, whatever you want to call them, that can afford two, two, two full team first teams. Mm-hmm. And we're not, we're not one of them. It's as simple as that. You, you, all you can hope is, is a bit of depth in the squad, but we, we simply can't afford uh, two players in every position. And we're not the sort of club that can attract players who all sit on the bench. Yeah, we 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 can't afford the sort of wages to get this. You know, Tottenham find this; they try and replace Harry Kane mm-hmm. while Harry Kane's there. Who's going to come on and sit on the bench for Tottenham for a season? It's the same with us. It's very difficult for us to to attract a player to say, right, you come into Palace, you're going to be on the bench until Benteke's not needed. It's it's we're not at the level of club that we can do that. Well, there's a Belgian striker out of out of contract in the summer that Spurs might want to look at, who's, That's true. who's played in the Premier League for, yeah. for a bit and is on form. So. You know, to be honest, though, guys, isn't it just quite nice to be talking about Benteke in positive, in positive light? It's been so long since we've talked about Benteke actually scoring goals. Actually, kind of feels quite, we've quite weird tried, to be. The, the, the bizarre thing is an indication of what decent people, Palace fans, are. We've always tried to be positive about him. We've always given him the benefit of the doubt because he seems like a nice bloke. And he donated a lot of money during the pandemic for PPE, and and, you know, and he he seemed sincere when he talked about wanting to repay Palace fans for their patience. So we, I think I think more than any any other club, we've given the benefit of the doubt. And I think not only as fans, but as a club, I think most Premier League clubs would have offloaded him a long time ago. And I, but I I still think there is a as I say a fifteen goal a season striker in, and I hope we we keep him, but. He won't get 15 goals a season if he's got to fight for scraps. And yeah, I mean that goal last night, he pretty much made himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but there have been a couple of times this season when we got you know, the Chelsea goal, which was a brilliant cross from Schluppy, the Brighton goal, brilliant cross from Townsend. When he when we got the ball into him, he will score the goals. It's just that we haven't done that often enough. Yeah, very true. But it was nice I to think, see that happen. I think that's a, that's a really good point, Kevin. And going back to the manager, the next manager point is you, you are going to need to have. A style of play that does suit Benteke with getting crosses into him mm. um, to to get the best out of him. So that is probably another factor to consider about whether you give him a contract or not. More players to get, yeah, brilliant. So more holes to fill. But uh, we know it's going to be a busy summer, so we'll see what happens. Um, but anyway, we're going to move forward now from part one. In part two, we've got uh, a clip from the pod extra. Uh, so if you're listening on the main public feed, you'll get that now. Uh, if you're a patron, you won't because you've already heard it. So we go straight to part three with questions. Uh, so we'll take a break and we'll see what happens. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Lots of shots. Two goals, uh, Eze having a masterful performance, Luca behind him playing brilliantly as well. 
a lot to be pleased about, wasn't there, Dom? Yeah, I think so. I have, the caveat is obviously that Sheffield United are dreadful. Twenty-eight <laughs> defeats in a in a season already is is appalling. Um, and I think they've only scored eighteen goals on route. So is that what's the record? Is that close to the record? I, I think they've tied the record oh, with really? this defeat. Wow. I think that's right. Wow. I mean, they're just they were hopeless, <clears throat> absolutely hopeless. But that said, you, you, you play the game. We it was. And I, I, I half expected this to be a sort of Ryan Brewster. Oh, he's going to finally score his first goal <laughs> occasion. But, but no, we didn't. We didn't look in any danger at all. No shots. They didn't master a single shot on target all afternoon. Um, and you know, let's be fair. We've been on the the wrong end of that statistic a fair few times this season. So it's nice to to dish it out a bit. I thought we were excellent. Um, Eze won't get that much space in many Premier League fixtures in his life, but. He didn't half make use of it. He was excellent, um, really, really good. Um, I thought that they all put in a shift, and, and, and I know that at some point we'll probably have to talk about about Wilfred Zaha. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even get wound up too much about his performance either. I just thought that as a unit we were far, far better than they were, um, and we dominated the occasion and came away with probably the most comfortable away victory we've ever had in the Premier League. Probably, I, I can't really. Recall many that have been more, yeah. you know, so straightforward. Tom, just very on, sorry. Two things on 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 that the Brewster thing. When Daniel <laughs> Jebison came on, the seventeen-year-old for his Sheffield United debut, I immediately put three quid on him scoring the next goal because it just felt, having missed all those chances, it just felt like this is set up for him to come on, and equalise. Obviously, didn't. Um, and I was going to say something else, and I've completely forgotten it. So, come back to me. Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, right, Wilf. This is really good the reason, content. <laughs> the reason Wilf uh, played so poorly today was not the knock that he might be carrying. It was that I took a four-point hit to bring him into my fantasy team this week. So, uh, that's on me, guys. That's on me. Uh, JD, once again, you know what's more interesting <laughs> than fantasy football? Everything. So he's been oh, wait, nothing. Up. Nothing. <laughs> Everything is more interesting than fantasy football. Um, so anyway, moving on from that revelation, <laughs> Adam, Adam looks like he's about oh, sorry. to fall asleep. Oh, sorry. We're still but we were talking about fantasy football or something yeah. ridiculous. I don't exactly. Know. Well, I was I trying bet. to shut JD down. He's, we, we don't talk about fantasy football on this. Uh, um, but anyway, Adam, that was that was a pleasing performance. It was very professional, really, wasn't it? As Dom said, I think it was probably the most comfortable one. Do you, do you feel like it, it was... Do you, do you think the, the, the scoreline wasn't really a fair reflection of, of how dominant Palace were, was it? No, we might have won by a couple more. Um, as you said earlier, I think the finishing was probably the, the the only real disappointment in that sense because I think had we been a little more ruthless, you know, 21 attempts at the goal and the two that went in were sort of deflected mm. dribblers that trickled in the net, ironically, but that's sometimes how it happens. I think if we, I think we played Burnley at home a few years ago yeah. with Roy, yeah. we had 29 attempts at the goal when Joe Hart was in goal. Yeah. And, uh, and the two goals we scored was were a dribbler that was a cross that ended up dribbling into the far corner, and then that belter from Andros Townsend where he cut inside mm. by the tunnel and then whipped it back in the top corner on the other side. So it was a, a freak and an exception, even then with 29 shots or whatever it was we had that day. So I think, you know, it was very professional, as you say, 
and and it takes us to the magic number, which means that mathematically we're now certain to be playing Premier League football for a ninth season, which is, and you know my feelings on that with what we've done in the last few years, that we should be very grateful and very pleased to be in this position yet again, despite all the negativity I hear and read and see, we've avoided relegation absolutely comfortably again well before the end of the season for the fourth time since this fellow's been in charge, a privilege that we've never been used to really in the past. It really, it, it was very much kind of a, a, a point of celebration for us, I think. I think I've, I've been critical of, of Roy over the last few weeks, but I think that you can't not look at everything that's happened over the course of the last two seasons, especially especially with COVID and the difficulties that those have brought, that that scenario has brought. And you just have to look at how Sheffield United have kind of fallen to pieces. It takes a strong manager to, to kind of guide clubs through difficulty. And I think Roy has done that. Um, so a lot of, a huge amount of credit to him for what Palace have achieved, for getting to that magic, magic mark and for staying in the division. Um, in terms of performance, individual performances, what were your thoughts on uh, Eze, JD? He was mercurial, wasn't he? He was a, a, a brilliant player for us today. I mean, he is, he is fast becoming, I think, one of the most exciting players to have ever pulled on a Palace shirt. He, he, after the first few weeks and months of the season where we, we thought he might be a bit of a bit, a bit part and sort of you know, get used to playing in the, in the top division, in the last few months he's been, I mean, he's getting better with every game. And, and again, like I know, I agree with Dom's caveat from earlier, yes, it was Sheffield United, who obviously he played very well against in the reverse fixture earlier in the season. But to be honest, every game in the Premier League is against a half-decent team. Even the worst team in the Premier League is a half-decent team. And this is a team that last season had one of the best defences. I know they lost O'Connell, but, you know, so you still got to be on your game. And Dean Henderson. And Dean Henderson. How could I forget? I don't, actually, I quite like Ramsdale. I think Ramsdale's a decent keeper, but I mean, he's... He's doing, he's doing very well. He's well, had actually. two relegations in two years. I mean, he's been a bit unlucky, but I just... I, he's done... He's really developed and come on well in the second part of the season, Aaron. I think he's done... Uh, done very well for them and I think they would have been probably even more disgraced without him this season quite honestly yeah agreed um, but back to Eze um, he's just he sort of oozes confidence doesn't he and I mean what what he does with the ball in terms of the way he carries it sort of through the lines and and you know, to, to use a Celsiusism that I'm sure is on that mug. I can't remember what we put on there, but I'm sure need a ball carrier. I'm sure is on the mug. There, there it is. There it is. Need a ball carrier. But that's exactly. exactly but you understand what now why I was saying all this last season when you miss a player of this ability that can can do this. And I think also that I don't know if you felt this, but for me, he didn't. He hasn't done very well as the number ten when he's had those couple of games there this season. And he's done better drifting in from the left. But now playing him in in a slightly more advanced, narrow situation in midfield, he seems to be thriving, thriving, thriving more in that uh, yeah. that situation where he can still get in there and do those things. But he seems to have a bit more freedom, and it, it, it and his his defensive. Um, 
frailties, if you like, don't seem to be so exposed either. So yeah. I think it's worked quite well, that, to be well, honest. Well, yeah, I think defensively, we said the last couple of weeks, he seems to have improved that side of his game. I'd say, I think in football terms, you'd probably call it a number eight. I think they'd call it maybe a number eight, depending on what, what formation you're playing. But in terms of being a slightly more forward-thinking central midfielder, and it re- it's really working. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Like I know we, sort of, we talked about Roy's formations for a while, but... Yeah. He could well be coming to the end of his time at Palace. He could be entering the last four games. And it seems like he's sort of fi- finally found this formation and this system that really, really works for the players that he has this season in terms of your Eze's and your Riedervalds. Lucas sitting there doing really well. Benteke's back. And I hope we talk about Benteke because he's back to goal-scoring form, really. It's it's funny. And we're probably going to lose Roy at the end of the season. It's just now it's just, we're just sort of settled into a rhythm of a system that works. But anyway, I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want to detract or criticise I want. I think it's a day to talk about good performances and individually I mean Eze was the best player on, on the park today and it gives me hope for the future and I know we did a whole episode on transfers and maybe today's not the time to talk about them but recruitment wise if we can get if we start to look at players more like Eze and they will cost more but I think Eze has already proven to be a bit of a bargain even for 18 million I think the guy's worth double that if not if not more, it's been such a good signing and it's been an absolute joy to watch him. And as Rob, I know you were doing the tweets today, tweeted at one point from FYP, I cannot wait to watch him in the flesh against Arsenal in a couple of weeks. I'm very, very excited about that. Dom, how important do you think it is that Eze's been playing? We, we talked about this last week, but again, I think every time he plays, we're seeing the experience kind of playing a part as well. It's important, isn't it? And it's it's going to make a massive difference over the course of the next next year or two, you know, for him. He will have learned so much this season, the first season in the Premier League, and he's played a hell of a lot of games. And and that's not always the case with with kids or twenty twenty one year olds who come in from the Championship. He's he's been integral really from from the outset, um, and and played a, a lot of matches and in different positions as well. And he would have learnt bits and bobs from from each outing in in, in each different berth that he was he was asked to operate in. And the, the reality is that there's a there's a wonderful balance about this team when it plays that formation today with that personnel. I mean, and I'll use the man on the other side, I mean, Schlupp's little burst away from his marker to put the cross in for Benteke, um, which was arguably, I would have thought, the best save that Ramsdale came up with, with it down to his left, um, one-handed to push away the, the header. But that was that was Schlupp bursting through from one from the from the other number eight position with, with Lucas sitting behind in a six or whatever you want in the old four or whatever you, however you want to class it. But you've got, you have forward propulsion, different kinds with Schlupp and Eze and a natural sitter in Luca. And that's all that, that that's, that's when Palace look at their most threatening and also at their most comfortable. Now this season, we really haven't had Schlupp available for as much as we should have done so we haven't had that option to to have that player and we don't have many others in there with the legs to to actually do that to to have that explosive little explosion of pace to 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 break through through a line and and uh and uncom- make make opponents uncomfortable um now we've got a position a, a, a situation where we've actually got options and players are now fit again i mean Roy Hodgson made the point on 
on Friday that he's he's got more options now than he's had all season. Um, and with with you know three players uh, potentially back in training next week as as well with the with the first team um, in 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 Sacco, Ferguson and 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 Wickham and these these guys are they suddenly got and, and arguably probably the the most congested period of our season right at the end when <laughs> safety's already been guaranteed he has got options to to use now and to to, to chop and change but I think. I think the fact that we've we, we haven't stumbled upon this I think he would have loved to have played this system if everybody had been fit and he'd had had this option to do it and he'd been able to persuade Wolf to to go left rather than through the middle, which is another issue and it may well be an issue you know can Wolf do what he did four years ago I, I don't know can he do what he did three two years ago even I don't know but it's being there are times when you look at it and think you wonder. Um, but there's, it's just, I just, I just think we just look so good like this and, you know, Southampton will be a different test and Aston Villa will be a different test and Arsenal likewise. Um, and it, but as long as we go into the, this, we won't get the criticisms. I don't think of the boring style and the pedantic style because there is so much explosive bursts of pace of different kinds within that team. time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to part three of the Five Year Plan podcast. Hey, what happened to part two? Well, part two, uh, it was there for some people. For oh, okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a 1984 reference now, but um, no, it, was, it was there for the well behaved. Does that work? It doesn't really work. No, um, really. no. anyway, part three now, uh, part two as well, but part three is definitely uh, sponsored by Eternity Home Finance. For a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code F. YP. And also, I need to do a little bit of promo as well that I've not been doing. I should have done months ago, but I've got two shows at the Brighton Fringe coming up in, in the middle of June, end, end oh, of June. And I've really done zero PR for it whatsoever. So I thought, if anyone, if anyone on the pod happens to live down by South, Southwoods or near Brighton, uh, I'm performing at the Caxton Arms on Wednesday 23rd and Thursday 24th of June at 8pm. It's my first ever solo show. Tickets are five quid. Um, so if you fancy coming along, please do. I've actually only got 10 tickets left for the second night, which is amazing. Don't know how I've done that. First night, quite a few more left. Um, and the second night is actually a night off from the Euros as well. So it's a sort of perfect time uh, to come along. Tickets are available at jimdailycomedy.com forward slash gigs. Please come along because it'd be great to do the show in front of an actual audience rather than just my parents like Edinburgh 2015. Um, I was there at your show in Edinburgh 15. Yeah, yeah, you, you were. You came yeah. to one of the rare one. busy nights. I was the one who stayed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have I told you that there was one night up there where there was three people in the audience and two of them were mum and dad and the um, third person was someone that had come to the wrong show? Yeah, we've all been there, mate. But, I'll but come, she, save, save me a ticket for the 23rd of June. I'll come. Oh, top man. Brilliant. Yeah, I will do. Yeah. yeah, we'll do. Well, let's say, what, what game is it on the 23rd of June? 
I don't know, but I've somehow I actually forgot the Euros are on when I booked when I booked it in. But I've somehow managed to book it in between the late kickoff or the afternoon kickoff and then the late late kickoff. So I think yeah, actually, oh, literally the previous game ends at eight and the next one starts at nine. So it's literally ideal time. Uh, to come along and listen yeah, to me perfect. talk no, about. Me um, cool. Okay, let's crack on then with questions from our listeners. Uh, I'm going to mute Jack. Hang on. There we go. I feel, I feels it feels really mean. It feels really really mean. I don't enjoy it at all. Um, but also, I am in charge, and don't forget that. Um, so Whoa. here is a question. <laughs> didn't didn't well, feel right. Didn't yeah, feel right. You know that ticket I just bought. You can take it back. <laughs> <laughs> That's felt, your that attitude. felt weird. That felt really weird. Here's a question from uh, JCPFC. Hi, Jay. He says, "Have we got our typical Palace back?" <laughs> Kevin. Well, in that we've stayed up for another season in the Premier League, then yes, that is typical Palace for the last eight seasons, which is not something we would have said 20 seasons ago, us old people. Mm. In that you can't predict how we're going to play from one game to the next, and yes, we have got our typical Palace back. It, It just feels like, as we've said before, it feels like we're coasting. And that feels like typical Palace. It, you know, I'm sure we'll five five pods into the next season we'll be saying it feels like it's our first season back in the Premier League, and that's typical Palace. But I think focus on the fact that we're in the Premier League, and this this would have been a disastrous, darling, would have been a disastrous uh, <laughs> season to to drop out of the Premier League, and we're not doing that. And um, yeah, it's the first time I think that all three team relegated teams have been decided three games before the end of the season and we weren't ever really in danger of, of doing that so yeah it is typical Palace but in a, not in a bad way I think I think that's a really really nice way to actually s- yeah. spin typical Palace because we do normally say it in a negative way but you're right nine seasons in the Premier League that's absolutely un- unheard of absolutely for us and yeah and, as, and I guess after nine years something does become typical so yeah, yeah. absolutely much like the uh, madness on this podcast um, Monty Burns <laughs> I was about to say I don't think it's the real one but he's literally a cartoon character <laughs> I stopped myself I didn't say it Kevin I didn't say it I didn't say it I would have done but I didn't um, and that is typical FYP um, is has said um, turn the corner on Saturday into a dead end street and hit a brick wall tonight mm. our progress at its best um should we dwell on that or should we move on to the next question? Oh, let's move on. It's a fair point, but yeah. Uh, I'm going to bring Jack back in. Uh, here's a question from Aaron Palace. Hello, Ant. He says, um, Hello. is Jeff a cake, a cake or a biscuit? I'd go biscuits simply because of the aisle. That's, that's my logic. That's where it sits. It sits with the other biscuits. You know, it identifies as a biscuit. Therefore, it's a biscuit. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Do you know, I don't normally do these kind of questions, but it's end of the season, so I figure we can sort of mix it up. And well, you know, it's quite an important question. Their new advertising campaign identifies it as a biscuit, is it? Because it was, you know, it was yeah, a court yeah. case that went on for about three years because of cakes. It, yeah. yeah, cakes. Cakes are not subject to VAT, and biscuits are, or vice mm. versa. So it was. I can never remember which way it went. Quite, 
I know it's quite an important question actually. But wasn't so it to do with it was to do you, with what happened when it went stale? Yeah, isn't that yeah, right? No, the cake, um, cakes go hard the, when they go stale, and biscuits go yes, soft. Right, uh, but whatever. But yeah, it's quite an important <laughs> question you threw away as a trivial. Okay, of. well let me let me do another important question, and I go to Duncan with this one. You might see it think it's trivial, you might not. But Dave, just simply Dave, okay, Dave. says, "What's your fa- what's your favourite dinner?" <laughs> This is for me. This is for me, is it? Are you guys liking these sort of random questions for you, Duncan? I just figured, like, it's end of the season. Let's mix it up a little bit. Steak and chips every time. What, what and chips? Steak and chips. Steak and chips. Oh, that's like proper 1974 programme, isn't it? Favourite <laughs> yeah. meal, prawn cocktail, steak and chips. Yeah, prawn cocktail, profit rolls to follow. <laughs> you, you find a way to mention prawn cocktail most weeks, Kevin. I don't know how you do it. I know this week, obviously, was very obvious, but... Um, Let's move on to some actually Palace. Oh, I remember the I remember the first night I tasted prawn cocktail crisps <laughs> in the Pied Bull, nineteen seventy nine. We thought the world was never going to be the same again. <laughs> hey, sensational! <laughs> yeah, I tasted a green packet in those days. Prawn cocktail crisps. Green packet. Green green that's, packet. Yeah. That's wrong. It should be. When, the, when did should pink, be pink? When did pink become the? I don't know. I'm not. I can, it's a strange thing. Memory. I can remember the the, the actual night the prawn cocktail crisps came in, but not the night. Also, in those days, in the pie ball in Stretton, there used to be a bloke, a bloke who genuinely came around selling prawns in a basket on top <laughs> so of his So it's really head. on brand for him then? That's, yeah, that's no, he was furious when he, we were all munching on <laughs> cocktail crisps. He realised that was the end of his... He used to sell cockles and whelks and all sorts of... <laughs> Do you know how I said off air in between part two and part three, there's loads of questions, let's crack on? What? Why? Why have I done that? I, I, what, no. what time is What time is Giles Corrin turning up? What's going on? Here? <laughs> <laughs> you asked a question about Jaffa cakes. I know. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know what Kevin. It's end of the season. I'm, I'm on the beach. I'm on. Did the you beaches. mention Giles Corrin then? By the way, Giles. Yeah, Giles Corrin's not as okay. nice as his sister. Let's put it that way. Victoria's lovely, but Giles less less so. Let's put it that way. Let's let's talk off air, Kev. Let's t- <laughs> let's talk about how how saintly Joel Ward really is off air as well. <laughs> oh wow! Oh, do I have to cut that? I don't think. No, I do. of course. It's clearly in jest. It's clearly in jest. Joel Ward is one of the nicest people you could ever. He is. He is great. Listen, we have a couple more sort of uh, half jokey questions. They're about Kevin, so I'm going to get them out of the way. That sounds. So they're not about you specifically. They're about. Things around in and around you. What am I talking about? The first question is from Oliver Moss. Hello, Oliver. He says, uh, once we've got to the point where we were mathematically safe, which obviously has happened over the weekend, was there a ceremonial burning of Kevin's piece of paper or was it just t- torn up and put in a recycling bin? The, the, the piece of paper only existed in my head this season. Yeah, that's true. true. That's true. That's it, true. Was, it was nearly there. I, I did I'd sadly buy a bottle of champagne afterwards. So I thought it was... <laughs> I still, I was still, I never, I never thought we would go down, but there was still, for half an hour, there was a wonderful sense of relief after that Sheffield Wednesday result, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, after Eze's second goal, which, by the way, the finish wasn't brilliant, but how how Eze, I I must have rewound that 25 times, how Eze brought that ball, how Cahill gets an assist for that is beyond, (laughs) is beyond me. A hoof that was going, but how Eze brought that down and turned in the same moment. There was a couple of moments in that game when he set up the first goal. He just—it's a cliche, but he just glides past yeah. defenders. We haven't had a player like that for for a long time, so that that was beautiful to watch. But no, there was—I was genuinely excited. But no, the piece of paper wasn't wasn't here this season. It wasn't needed this season. Which that's got to be a sign of progress, surely. 
I totally agree. Tot- I'd forgotten mm. it wasn't even a thing, so I totally agree. Yeah, I think that's uh, that is a sign. Of- and yeah, we didn't even talk about Eze in, in part one. Oh, yeah. um, but you're right. He he was superb in that Sheffield United game, and this his run for the second goal was great. And I wonder if actually he is already after just one season starting to get in that sort of Wilf realm where he plays so well, we sort of expect almost expect it. So it, it, oh. it isn't such a talking point because he's just last few months he's been absolutely superb. I, I wonder. I mean, it's serious. I mean, it's typical, it's typical Palace, of course it is. But I mean, Mitchell is one for the few. I mean, it's, it's the contract situation, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And I'd be interested to hear what what Duncan and Jack say about this, about the players that are out of contract that you really, really want to stay in, you wouldn't care about going. But uh, Mitchell's a one to be able to see. And Eze, Eze is so good at the moment, or potentially so good in that Sheffield United game. I wonder whether him and Wilf can play together. I, I just sense there's a couple of times Wilf's reaction when Eze scored, he kind of threw his arms up in the air as though he was expecting Eze to to pass to him rather than shoot himself. I, I, I just wonder whether that's a potential. And again, as I say, it's, it's, it's a classic thing. You've bought a new car, you have to listen for the, 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 the squeak of the engine. But I, I, I hope we don't do to Eze what we've done to Wilf, that we suddenly start to expect him to carry the team. And I, I, I hope he doesn't get too much responsibility, but he's looking like one of the most exciting players we've had for a moment, for a long time. And I just hope that doesn't bother Wilf. Yeah. Yeah. I did this. I actually did buy a new car recently. I did the exact same thing. Paranoid about all the, uh, all the engine noises. I did also drive it into the wall at the end of my drive, literally the day I got it. Of course um, you did. So the suddenly, suddenly didn't care about the, the, uh, the sounds anymore. So a massive scratch on the uh, wing mirror. Um, we do have questions about Wilf. I, 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 I saw the arm up thing as well. I think it's just that Wilf is not really at his best at the moment. I think he's maybe yeah. just frustrated at himself. Yeah. I think Possibly. actually, as a, I think Eze is the sort of player that actually you, you buy to say to Wilf, look, we are progressing. We're not just buying 35-year-old centre-backs on a free transfer. We are yeah. actually trying to build a team around progressive footballers like yourself. And I think it, it, hopefully it's, it's an offering to Wilf to say we are you know, progressing and we'll continue, continue to do so this summer. But funny you say that we have had a lot of questions about Wilf this week and his sort of off par performances from Matthew O'Connor, John Dodds, Miles Loudon, uh, Michael Piggott, Miles Loudon again, Miles has done two. Um, and Robin Mickelberg all saying basically what is up with Wilf. Um, some people, I think, I think he might be injured. I think he, he, in the Man City game, he he, he um, tweaked his groin, didn't he, in the warm up? Yeah. And, and, he, and he had that funny thing where he's sitting down at half time digging yeah. on the pitch. And I noticed it a couple of times last night as well. He was sort of doing the old circle with his leg. I, I don't think he's fully fit at the moment. I think he's got a slight problem on the groin. Which, to be fair, if that's the case, then, Jack, you sort of think with, oh, I guess maybe Saturday being a game that was important to us, but maybe from last night, now we're safe. If, if Wilf is injured, you don't really need to play him. You do actually have those other options that you could give a run out to, Mateta and Michi and those others that we've all been calling out for. Yeah, but if he's saying he's fit, you play your best player. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, I, I, I get we could rest him, but what would we be resting him for? He's going to have, you know, two and a half months off in terms of, you know, competitive matches from about 10 days' time. So if he's if he's match fit, He's ready to go. And the thing is, we have got alternatives, but if we have just moved to a 4-3-3, if we take Wilf out, it's only really Jeff Schlupp that can probably come in and play that yeah. that, that kind of left yeah. side of a three. So, you know, there are other options. 
Um, but I, I, I'd, I'd have Wilf on the pitch with one leg, to be honest. And I, I, I get that he has, uh, he has struggled at times this season. But despite that struggle, he still scored ten Premier League goals. Um, he's still been very productive. He's still constantly our, our main focus. You only have to see the impact of his absence on the team um, a, couple, a month or so ago. So yeah, he's not in the best mindset. I don't know why that is. You know, as uh, as Duncan says, he, he does seem to be carrying some sort of, of of niggle at the moment, which is which is not ideal when you're a player whose whose game is so based on that explosive explosive mood and explosive movement. Um, if you if you have any concern about a muscle twinge, then yeah, that is going to hold you back slightly. The the the, the comment about Eze is interesting because I also picked up on the kind of shrug when when Eze did score that. Like I mentioned earlier about Benteke's finish, there was an element of luck to that. And oh, despite Eze's run being... Eze's run was absolutely sensational. The way he glided on the halfway line was, was just fantastic. But the finish, again, was lucky in that it's bounced off a defender. And it might be the Will saying, it's gone in, but actually you did pass up an opportunity for a simpler mm. goal there. I don't know. I mean, obviously as fans, we're happy when any goal goes in. But Will, from kind of a technical point of view, might be thinking, it's gone in, but you have made the wrong choice there. I was faced with an open goal. But I don't know. I don't think he's unhappy with with Eze, as as we've just said there. Why would you be unhappy when we've added such an exciting talent to the team? But something just doesn't feel right. You know, he's he's still longing for the move away, isn't he? And he's had agent swap again. I, I read. So you know, things might not be as as great for him as as he might want personally. But you know, I'm sure we can talk about Wolf again towards the end of the season or even after the I, season I think there's, a, there's, a, there's an odd thing with Wilf is that there are still some Palace fans if Wilf scores two there'll be Palace fans who go he should have had three you know, there's always, there are always people saying well Wolf should have done this but I think I think there's an element of frustration because I think we were so excited by the potential of Wilf and Eze together and it hasn't it hasn't quite hasn't quite come off. I think we were looking to see some combination of them, and it, and we see it in snatches, but not not with each other sort of thing. And you can see that they're similar players, and Eze shaping up to be as good a player as Wilf was in a slightly mm. different way, maybe without that exciting burst of pace. But I think we wanted to see them. I think we all hoped that they would be combining, and we hope that that will happen next season. But I'm I'm with Jack. I would play. I would play Wolf ninety percent fit. I would, I would absolutely mm. play him if possible, and and I would play as a each game. I'd, I would still look to bring a couple of. I'd still like to see a couple of the the kids at least on the bench for the the final game. Mateta given a run out. I think Benteke's proved anything he has to prove now, and and unless. Steve Paris has said to Roy, "Look, this you know we need to get one place up the table for the extra two million pound that we'll get." And I don't think we will get one place up the table. I, I don't see why we shouldn't try and be a little bit different between now and the end of the season. I don't think we will, but it would be nice to see a, a couple of variations. But it's it's just a little bit frustrating because I think we just, as I say, we thought that Wilf and, uh, and Eze would sort of explode and it hasn't quite hasn't quite worked out that way. On that point, though, I think the, the good thing is that it's taken some of the pressure off Wilf, hasn't it? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly as you say, Kevin. What they haven't quite fired exactly the same time, but the good news is that one of them has been firing when the other one hasn't. Yeah, and it's switched around. So it, it's a luxury that we haven't had for a while to have two players of that that quality and and creativity in the team together. Absolutely right. I and mean, we we mentioned Yannick Balassi's name a lot on this podcast, don't we? Yeah. Just for that sort of balance. Not that they're 
that similar players, but just that balance of taking the pressure off Wilf absolutely right. So hopefully that will continue. And we've seen flashes, you know, the West Brom game away, both excellent. You know, there have been bits. Hopefully we'll see more of that next season. Um, let's round off the questions part um, on the manager, because we've had a question from Stephen Turner. Hi, Stephen. Who says, which of the names mentioned for manager do you prefer? I kind of like Lampard would bring on youth and would bring some Chelsea connections. And the reason I've brought this up, Kevin, is that there was news today that Lampard, I think in the Telegraph, that Lampard is now front runner for the job, which I think is something that a lot of us thought he might be sort of in and around it, but maybe not front runner for the job. Where does that leave you feeling? Sort of excited or a bit nervous? I was on uh, TalkSport yesterday on one of the most manufactured stories you can imagine, which was whether Roy Hodgson was happy or unhappy about the new Channel 4 documentary about the (laughs) Academy kids. Oh, right, okay. And I I pointed out that this is a kind of pointless conversation because in the space of the last two weeks, TalkSport had reported that Valerian Ishmael, Patrick Vieira, (laughs) Frank Lampard, Eddie Howe, uh, Sean Dyche and John Terry could be Palace managers, so surely we should be worried about whether they're happy or not about a Channel Four documentary. Yeah, I, 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 there's still part of me that wouldn't be unhappy if Roy stayed next season. If, if you know, if Steve Parrish was to, there was a press conference say, "Look, Roy's staying, but we're bringing in Loftus Cheek, we're signing Batshuayi permanently, we're bringing in Ben Mee, we're bringing." You know, I, Steve Parrish has always said he won't go after a manager who's in another job, right? So that so Sean Dyche is out then, which you you imagine that leaves probably Frank Lampard and Eddie Howe. I still, for the life of me, can't see what Frank Lampard gets out of coming to Palace. I still can't see how we would afford him. I, I understand this logic that he might bring in five Chelsea trainees on loan. None of it. Yeah, this this the logic seems to be: oh, we'll get Frank Lampard, uh, we'll get Loftus Cheek, we'll get Billy Gilmore, one on loan, one paid. I I don't I, I don't get it, and I don't. It would be exciting, but I, I, I would still be nervous about it. If Eddie Howe comes in, I'd be nervous because he, he didn't do a brilliant job at Burnley when he was when he was there for a short time. I I just think of all the managers if if you. If Roy Hodgson was on the short list of managers available, you wouldn't be that upset if Roy Hodgson was the manager that came in. I, I, mm. I still don't. I'm still not convinced that it's a hundred percent guaranteed that Roy won't be our manager for one more season. I, I just, just almost by default, I, I, I don't, I don't see how Palace fans would be happy with with Sean Dyche. Uh, you know, a team that finished below us. I don't see how they'd be happy with Eddie Howe, who was at one stage going to be England manager and Arsenal manager, and then was on no one's shortlist for any of the big jobs. Frank Lampard would be, yeah, it would be exciting and he'd get us a lot of publicity, but Frank De Boer was exciting and got us a lot of publicity. And it, it just really worries me that we're going to end up in a situation where, as we said before, we're come November, December, we're knocking on Sam Allardyce's door because we've made a an odd decision and you know and the, the thing is we can't we're not going to change the way we play football in, in one close season we're not going to bring in six or seven players and suddenly play a different side of football it's like Evan Koku said last night it's really hard for Palace the, the Palace team this season to suddenly go right we're playing 4-3-3 we're going to be a bit more exciting and they can't cope with that 
so uh, why you suddenly think that in a, in the space of a two month close season we're going to whoever is the new manager we're going to kick off in August playing a completely new exciting type of football I, I don't I don't get it I, I don't I, I actually don't get the clamour to change the manager to be perfectly honest considering who's who's available I, I, I tend to agree with that um, Kevin but, but but your point of you're not convinced it's not going to be Roy surely the club would have um Remove the uncertainty by now if they were going to stick by Roy. It just seemed madness to run it right down to the wire. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think so, Duncan, but how many times have we done that in the past? I mean, how many times have we said, yeah, for every season we've been in the Premier League, we've said, well, let's hope we're doing our transfer business now. Let's hope we're not running around trying to sign four players on transfer deadline day. We're not the sort of club that does things in a, in a professional competent manner and I, and I think there is an element as that, that we are waiting for Roy to decide what what to do but I, I'm hoping that the decision has been made and like you said earlier on it'd be, it would be brilliant if before the Arsenal game there was a press conference when Roy said I, I, I was semi-retired before I took over Palace I think I've done a brilliant job at my childhood club I'd like to announce that I'm, I'm taking a, a job at boardroom level or director of football and my replacement is going to be Frank Lampard and I think the atmosphere on the Tuesday game would be absolutely phenomenal I think we'd all go into the next three or four weeks before the Euros in a really excited way and then two weeks before the season starts I'd be really nervous I'd, you know, I, I think Frank Lampard was hastily sacked by Chelsea He's, he's still got a lot to prove from my point of view and, and managing managing a team like Palace and trying to change the way we play football at the same time is a, is a big, big ask. Well, I mean, Chelsea will, will, will say that replacing him was the right idea given how well they've done with Thomas Tuchel since he's yeah, come in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I, think Palace should be... Been... Sorry, go on, Dreddy. Go on, mate. I was going to say, I, think, I just think we should be avoiding managers called Frank, personally, after what happened <laughs> last time. I'm sort of surprised even. But it's, it's funny, Jack, can I just say, funny what Kevin said there about the club announcing it, because Croydon in exile and Colin A. Squires have both said right. it would be great if they could announce it before the, the if he is leaving before the Arsenal game so that we can give him a send-off. Because I think nine out of ten Palace fans, Jack, surely would want to give him show the appreciation for the job he has done over the last four years, which objectively has been very, very good. Yeah, you know, there are, there are criticisms that can be laid at the door about style, about player selection, but the fact is he's done the job that he's tasked with each season. He's kept us in the division comfortably. I mean, yeah. other than the first season when he came in as the ultimate firefighter, given how, you know, first four games and the first three, uh, or certainly the first two fixtures he had, um, he's done an amazing job. You know, it's... Um, it's sad that it's become so poisoned, particularly social media. The, the comments about Roy are, are rather distasteful. And, and I think we'll look back on him as one of the greatest managers the club's ever had. I, I think we've kind of got lost in this sense of comfort of where the club is, um, which those fans that have, <laughs> have endured many seasons of, of second and third tier football in the past will will, will tell this, this won't last forever. Um, and Roy's been a big part of that. That said, I I think it is the right time for, for Roy to move on. His comments last night um, indicated that it's it's becoming increasingly obvious to him that the offer of a contract isn't coming. Um, but I hope that you know if if, if the stars align and, and next week's presents as opportunities for some fans to be in the ground, having had a season of no one in the ground other than the one fixture earlier on in the season, um, it would be 
a more romantic idea if, if Roy was given that send off that that he most certainly does deserve, and and he'll go with my best wishes because he's 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 kept the club where I want it to be without any great drama. If if they haven't made a decision already, I'd be really disappointed. I think if if the, if Roy doesn't know where his future lies, and if the club doesn't know who the manager is going to be now, then there's, there's a big problem. A, it's very disrespectful to a manager who's done a really good job, and he's always quick to remind us he's done it on a modest budget, as the, the phrase he used last week, yeah, modest yeah. budget, and he's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. But as a club, as a Premier League club. It, we need better than that. We need we need to know the club at least needs to know. And I'm not saying they need to tell us what's going on, but you'd like to hope that they know who's going to be in charge for next season. If they don't by now, then there really is a problem. The 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 journalists that have released the story tonight of um, uh, of Lampard being linked to the job are Matt Law, who has a very good contact book at Chelsea, so you'd imagine has links to Lampard. Um, but also um, John Percy, who has good contacts throughout the game, I think has broke the story, going back a few years, I think he broke the Pulis story to Palace and also yeah. Allardyce to Palace. So he's very well connected. I don't think they put their names to it if there wasn't anything in it. Um, but also, not only are they linking Frank Lampard with the Palace job, they're also confirming that Roy's on his way out. So, um, you know, that story goes two ways in that it's confirming the exit, but it's also talking about the future. The, the thing with Lampard, just my... my, my very quick opinion about Lampard is the longer it passes from him going into another job, the more difficult it is, particularly the better that Tuchel does with that Chelsea squad. That's yeah. where yeah. The, the the opportunity to criticise Lampard's managerial career thus far um, is, is going to come from because he was managing a side who really weren't doing much uh, at the turn of the year and within you know six months they're, they're in a Champions League final and do seem to have the beating of their opponents in that Champions League final. So, it's, it's a difficult one for Lampard. He needs to get his feet wet again if he wants to, you know, prolong a managerial career. And I don't think many better opportunities will head his way than than a solidified Premier League football club in Crystal Palace. If you argue that he wasn't doing much at Chelsea, he wasn't doing that much at Chelsea with one of the best squads in the Premier League. So I, I'm not entirely sure why he's a good fit to come to Palace. It's like those people say, "We'll get Jose Mourinho in." Jose Mourinho loves Palace, but he take one look at our squad and go, "I'm not, I'm not managing that." I don't see, I don't, you know, Frank Lampard. Even at, at Derby, he had quite a lot of Premier League loan players in. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a world of difference between Frank Lampard doing all right, an average job with a really, really good squad. And now mm-hmm. we're expecting him to, to rebuild. Yeah, you know, this is a squad with twelve players out of contract. Hmm. So it all, he's not my choice. He wouldn't well, be my choice. But, but, it's, but it's the financial thing as well. We we know we need we need five new players in the first team. We know that we won't be able to afford that if we're bringing Frank Lampard in. Who wants to bring his own team in? All the money we've got will go on Frank. And Frank Lampard will cost us a hell of a lot more than than. Mm. Than Roy Hodgson does, and whoever Frank Lampard brings in with him will cost a lot more than Ray Lewington does. He might wear proper grown-up trousers, and that would be lovely. But, hey, but mate, still, but, but let's not be having a pop at Ray. Yeah, you know, and I, I think you're asking Frank Lampard to do a job that he's never had to do before, which is rebuild an aging team. Mm. And I, I think that's, I, I, you know, yes, it's glamorous, and yes, it's Frank Lampard, and yes, he might be the England manager of future, and yes, he, he played for Chelsea, but it's, you know, I, I don't is, think it's, is, is that the only. Is that the only point, though, Kevin? Sort of just just picking up on that rebuilding an aging team. Is that the only thing that potentially could stand in Frank's favour that 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 he, he is associated with bringing through the youngsters at Chelsea? I, I know it was partly because he didn't have any choice, yeah. but uh, I, 
yeah, I, I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate here. I tend to agree with you. I, I would be worried about Frank next season. But we, Duncan, we, that's the only thing I can see is we we want we want to bring the kids through. But the minute we start the next season with three youngsters in the first team squad and we lose the first three games, it's everyone's going. Mm. Let's get Allardyce back in. It's too much of a risk. No, we've never had a man. Yeah, okay. You know, Aaron Wan-Bissaka ended up in the first team by default because we were so short of players. Roy hadn't even seen it. You know, it's it's you know Mitchell's got in the team. Our youth players get in the team once. It's once every two or three years that one of our youth players even get on the verge of getting in the squad. Lampard's not going to know our youth team. It's not. You know, he hasn't got that depth of experience. There, I mean, I think it's been well documented that in previous years the crop hasn't been good enough. This under eighteen team, I know is, there is a big expectation that a lot of those players will play first team football and they are good in, enough, in but they years, are not ready. Years, exactly, they're not ready to. Time, yeah. It's yeah, way too early. Time. Way too early. Of course it is. You can't just be chucking them in. They need experience. They need time to develop. It's way too early. So, well, it's also this this argument as well that people that I said before that Frank people say, well, Frank Lampard, well, Loftus Cheek will definitely come to us. We'll buy him. We'll buy we'll buy Batshuayi. We'll probably get Billy Gilmore on loan. It's like these things are not givens it's like yes Frank Lampard will probably attract better players than, than Roy Hodgson does but what really attracts him is the wages it's as simple as that and there's no there's no point us getting rid of PVA and Benteke and Conor Wickham because they're on huge wages only to replace them with, with two players that are on equally big salaries that makes no sense no, yeah, that's, yeah I agree although although I guess Lamp, when Lampard got the Chelsea job it was because as Duncan said they had a transfer ban, didn't they? So he was, yeah. I guess, yeah, so he had to work primed. With, he had to yeah. work with no money. So I guess he's used to, yeah. you know, working without a transfer budget. So in many ways, ideal to be Palace manager. But you would like to think that they would be but looking Chelsea's to spend the, a bit the, more the play, this summer. Yeah, you know, the, the forty-three players he had available at Chelsea are better than the forty-three players he had available. Well, yeah. And they still signed Pulisic anyway, didn't they? So I yeah. think the ban yeah. was. Moot anyway. Um, Haven't heard Mark Hughes's name yet, so that's a good sign. <laughs> Mark Hughes's name isn't on the list. Or, or Alan Kirbishley, he's available. That's true. Yeah, yeah, he's still free to be the Alan next Pope, though. Well, Chris yeah. Coleman. Chris <laughs> Coleman's the other one that's still stubbornly refusing to to move, mainly because Sky keep having him as a pundit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's not going to happen. That's I, not going to happen. I saw um, Steve Copper was linked with Walsall today. Was, was he? he? Really? Yeah. That's, okay. See, now, now that would be typical, Palace, if Steve Koppel came back to us. <laughs> <laughs> With Paul Merson as his assistant coach for no apparent reason. <laughs> well, we will find out. Obviously, we are creeping closer to whatever happens this summer. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot but about be, it when it, it does happen. It, it'd be interesting. When, are, when, when is the decision going to be made? Are we waiting for Roy to make the decision? Are we... Don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I, I genuinely don't know if it's the case of Roy not deciding, Steve off, not offering him anything... At some sort of standoff. I don't. I generally don't know whose ball the court is. Other way around. Whose court the ball is in oh, yeah. at the moment? It's difficult to work it out, and we probably won't know until it all comes out, or until a decision is made. Yeah. Unfortunately, all we should do. The, the only option we haven't mentioned as manager is Doogie Freeman. It's not going to not going to happen. Not you sure? Happen. Can you promise me that? No, I can't promise you anything. What, why did you even, why did you even raise I just, it then? Just because I, I like to give off the air that I can promise things. And I then... think David Wright could do a job in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Jermaine, um, Jermaine Easter off the shoulder. Yeah, yes. I can see it working. Good. Let, let's, uh, let's wrap up really quickly. We've got a shout-out from EK Beauty YYYX. Can I get a shout-out from my partner, please? He's Palace Mad. Yes, you can. Yes, shout-out to EK Done. Beauty's partner. There you EK's go. Quiet. Uh, and then, really quick, Kevin. Quick, Kevin. 
Quick, guess a different podcast. Quick question, Kevin. Yeah. Oh, I need to, I need my dinner. Um, from Keith Madge Dimond, who says, what did Kevin okay. get for his birthday? So I'm assuming he means uh, palace-wise. Did he get any palace tat? Uh, tat? No, I didn't get any palace tat. I'll tell you <laughs> what I did get. I got a, a, a SNES. I got a replica Super Nintendo. Oh, wow. 20 games built in, which is why I've not really been worried about football. I'm, <laughs> I'm halfway through Zelda. <laughs> Oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> poor, poor Zelda. Uh, I did. I got well. I got a lovely message from Roy Hodgson. Which you was, did actually. You hear yeah, that? That was lovely. Which yeah. I was very touched by, actually. And then I got uh, at halftime in the Man City game. There was a lovely message on the scoreboard, which BT had a little close-up on, which gave my real age away, <laughs> which led to my Wikipedia page being doctored <laughs> to give my real age away. But uh, yeah. Uh, uh, no, but yeah, I'm going on Monday for the under twenty-three game. Uh, and hopefully again on Tuesday for the Arsenal game. So, but uh, I'll tell you what I got from my bill. I got a lot of love and respect and some lovely brownies from JD. I didn't they even were, ask you to mention that. I did, yeah, I that was that was uh, yeah. They were thirteen days after my birthday. They were late, late. They were really late because <laughs> it came to your birthday. I thought. I haven't got him anything. Um, <laughs> now, the Roy message, I'd love it. I don't know if you shared that on Twitter or you're going to or whatever, but I, it's, I, it's I, really I, nice. I thought it would be slightly immodest to share it on uh, I think it, I think it, I share, but it was... Uh, maybe was, once he's gone, maybe, because I think it, it, it paints Roy in a lovely yeah, light. I was genuinely very touched by it because it was a... It was a cause it, my initial thought was that Roy probably spends, like Moonpig, spends every Friday afternoon recording <laughs> 55 <laughs> different messages and just inserts a name... Uh, hello, Doug. Hello, <laughs> Helen. Hello. Uh, it well, he doesn't need to Doug. That's one thing. No, he that's that's to yeah. But it was um, it was a personal message which actually uh, I was uh, made me rather emotional. No, it's actually. nice, and uh, I yeah. actually think you know that shows the measure of Roy. I think we know he's a gentleman, I, and I don't I, think I, many managers do said, that. I, yeah, there were Man United fans who turned on Sir Alex Ferguson at the end, and I. Yeah, you can't legislate for idiot fans, but anyone who doesn't accept that Roy Hodgson has done a brilliant job for us in the last couple of seasons, when he's gone, when the dust has settled, Jack's absolutely right. He's been a brilliant manager for us, and he's done exactly what his job is. He's kept an average squad in the Premier League, and, and whether you like it or not, from where we've been in our past history, staying in the Premier League is absolutely vital to us staying as a club at all in the future. Totally agree. And it won't be the same next year when you've got Neil Warnock wishing you 61st, but happy birthday, unfortunately. <laughs> Stop um, going on about our fucking old night. It's public now. It's out there. It's on your Wikipedia page. Yeah, until I, I don't know enough about Wikipedia to change it. <laughs> and Ed, ref, Ed refuses to do it for me. <laughs> Quite rightly. Um, anyway, let's move on to part four. Thank you to your questions, everyone. Um, we've got a preview of the Villa game. We'll do it really, really quickly because I know we're overrunning massively. So after the break, we're going to preview the Clash with Villa. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Fabio Pan Podcast. 
Part four, uh, sponsored this week by Eternity Home Finance. For a free consultation on anything to do with mortgages and property portfolios, email info at eternityhomefinance.com and quote the code FYP. Just see myself on the little video screen. Half my face is gone. It looks really weird. I need to sort out this new setup in the in the cabin. Um, Villa at home Shit. is our... <laughs> sauna um villa at home is the next game uh kevin um obviously two teams with nothing to play for really um but a chance to i don't know what are you hoping to see what are you, are you expecting to see anything different in terms of personnel or uh, what are you hoping to see apart ex- from obviously your age on the screen i'm, <laughs> I'm expected to see jack Grealish make his first start in yeah, yeah, games. Of course. it's yeah. what i'm expected <laughs> to see basically i I think, I think Villa. I think they're one of the stories of the season. I have to say, along with West Ham, and there was uh, yeah around Christmas time when Villa took us apart on Boxing Day. That second half, when they were down to ten men, that's probably our most embarrassing performance of the season. I think I, I think he's done really well. John Terry's somebody who's an outsider for our job, maybe, but I think Villa have done something that we probably failed to do for most seasons and is that recognise that they if they didn't uh, solve a lot of their problems from the end of last season they would struggle again and they they bought really well they got a good manager they've played good attacking football I, I hope it's a decent attacking I don't think we'll see anything different in terms of our team selection to be perfectly honest I think Roy isn't suddenly going to have a rush of blood to his head unless Steve's called him into the office on Friday night and said can we have the keys you're off, but I don't. I don't really see anything different in terms of, you know, as I say, Benteke's proved what he has to prove. So maybe Mateta starting. I, I don't. I'm not entirely sure what's gained by starting Ayu again. To be perfectly honest, we know what he can do. I wouldn't be that fussed if he was gone next season. So let's maybe try something. You, know, you can pull that face, but I was, you know, I was, I'm is, only is, putting is, that face because we've already got 12 players leaving in the summer. I know, so I can't I'll afford another perf- one. I'll be perfectly happy if he stays, but you know, if, if we want to progress, I was a, a squad player at most really. He's not somebody we should be mm-hmm. starting with. And, you know, let's, let's give somebody else a go. But I, I, I got a vague feeling it will be maybe Townsend to be in for a, I don't know. Maybe it'd be, Roughly the same as the team last night, but I'm not expecting anything radically different. Yeah, I think I think Townsend in Ferrari probably is is probably the only uh, the only change we can see. Duncan, what are you expecting from this game? Because Villa are going to be a challenge, especially if they do have Coolish back. I didn't realise he was close to coming back, but yeah. they are going to be tricky, aren't they? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think that's more of a typical Palace. Isn't it? I'm not sure <laughs> he's going to be back. Um, They've not been in great form of late, so it's probably a good time to be playing them. Um, I think they've had, before they beat Everton to to, uh, to um, secure their safety, they'd had one win in the last eight, I think, before that. Okay. And then they lost well, against so, United. So Southampton last night, so. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, that's true. It's interesting about the, um, it's fine margins, isn't it? Because you think back to last season, and, and I know you were saying they've, they've had a fantastic season this season, Villa, and you were, you were saying that, Kevin, earlier. And you think back to last season, that disallowed goal, or the goal that wasn't disallowed that should have yeah. been, and they'd have been down. Yeah, to, yeah. Um, and it, it, it's actually their first season. I was reading something on The Athletic earlier, and it's, sorry, I shouldn't plug that, but um, the, 
it, from a Villa point of view, it's their first season for for ages where they haven't been battling with promotional relegation, and that you know they're they're loving the fact that they're solid Premier League mid table season season for them. So um, I think it'd, I think it'd be interesting. Um, I, I would agree with, with the guys that I don't think there'll be a lot of tinkering from Roy. It would probably be pretty simple. I think yeah, maybe Townsend coming in. Would like to see Mateta given a bit of a run, but with it's hard to argue against Benteke with a four million, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, I don't think I don't. Roy's not a manager. I don't think to drop to drop an informed striker, even though it, I, I agree, would be nice to see a bit more from Mateta. Because as Jack said, he uh, he certainly needs the fitness and the experience of playing Premier League games. But I think Jack, it's probably going to be more of the same, isn't it? And are you are you hopeful of a result against Villa, or are you just going to, if it is, you know, one of these final few games of Roy, are you just going to sort of try and enjoy? Enjoy the ride, as it were, as Roy rides off into the sunset. Yeah, no, I think I think we'll give them a game. They haven't been particularly good in the last ten games, but that's been uh, probably to do with Grealish's absence. He's so key to them in the way they play that they can't really replicate that same style with either Barkley or El Ghazi coming off the left. Um, I'd like to see Kale back in for Dan. I think Kale's probably rested for Dan yep. um, uh, ahead of ahead of the week. And I think Scott Dan's legs are probably still somewhere in Hampshire after last night. So. <laughs> Um, should expect to see Gary Cahill back in the team, um, but yeah, I think they're, they're a good. I like Dean Smith; he comes across very well, and uh, obviously it's his boyhood club. So I, I typically wish him well. Not big Aston Villa, Stallwater, or anything like that. But um, yeah, they, it's nice to see them have a good season, and uh, they do play some nice football when they when they're at um, you know full full caliber. So uh, obviously Grealish is some way back from. Uh, an injury so I don't know if he'll be firing at all, all guns but he's a hell of a player and uh, we'll need to keep an eye on him but yeah I'm, I'm hopeful of a result there's no reason why we couldn't you know take a take a win there and edge us towards the the 45 point mark if that's something that's, uh, um, that's desirable and is, is, Watkins, is Watkins suspended after being sent no he's missing he, he's missing he's Everton on Thursday ah, yeah. Okay, so right. yeah well, I was going to say that because interesting, they've got Everton on Thursday, haven't they? So they might be a little bit yeah. tired. That's true. Yeah, Thursday they might be tired, yeah. and they yeah. and they don't rotate centrally. You know, their their core of the team stays pretty pretty similar. Um, but yeah, it's it's a chance for us to to get a win and, and two home games in three days um, for for Palace should be uh, should be a good opportunity for the boys to to end the season on a high. So let's let's end on a high. So yeah, the I positivity don't... that we might end on a high. Well, we're going to end in the stadium, which is going to be fantastic. I mean, that, that yeah. Arsenal game, people have been lucky enough to get tickets, yeah. it's going to be great. Um, I, I, let's not preview Arsenal. We might do a pod before, it might do it after. I don't know. I'm not going to make any promises. But um, let's just let the Arsenal game happen and we can talk about it afterwards and talk about how great it was to be back in the stands or back in the Porsons or wherever. Because um, I think that is the thing to look forward to now towards the end of the season, yeah. is that game. Um, so there you go lads this has been a mammoth episode I apologise <laughs> for keeping you so late but it's been wonderful talking to you Duncan thank you so much for coming back on it's been brilliant having you back on the podcast and we really appreciate your support for our patron as well thank you so much yeah, thanks very much for having me top, really top man uh, Jack great to have you on yeah thank you thank you everyone hope you're all well uh, except James Ward Pratt <laughs> <laughs> we actually managed to get through a whole episode post Saints without talking about couldn't, how much we couldn't, hate couldn't go the whole pod no couldn't go the whole pod about it can't stand him awful no awful, fair play awful, well, awful done. well done there'll be people at home relieved that you've, uh, you've said that um, and Kevin as ever thank you very much for, for podding you're welcome hopefully it'll only be a few weeks before I can say I live here <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm actually yeah. thinking about making for our uh, our new merch store doing an FYP we've got Selsie bingo obviously but doing an FYP bingo as well nice. and I think um, I live here 
should definitely be on there. <laughs> uh, but we'll think about other FYP phrases to put on the FYP bingo, and that'll be on our merch store at some point in the summer to keep an eye out for that. But in the meantime, I've got my uh, look, look, I've got my little. This isn't working on on a podcast, oh, but my teletext. It's my house. It's my house, Dave. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that was, that's our, uh, our teletext coasters that our patrons got. Um, good stuff. Thank you very much, lads. Thanks to you, everyone, for your questions. And uh, thanks for listening. Thank you to our patrons for their support. Uh, have a great week. And we'll see you again very soon. Goodbye. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Podcast Network.